Hello everyone and welcome. My name is Molly Rowan Leach and I'm your host for the ongoing telecouncil and webcast series, Restorative Justice on the Rise. Sponsored by the Peace Alliance, this series is focused on creating an international platform for connection, dialogue, education, and resources. We know that restorative justice and many related aspects of the peace building movement are highly on the rise in these times. And we strive to connect people and help, help there to be academic conversation as well as practical tools with this series. Go to dopeace.us to find out more about the series. Use the menu tab on the left-hand side of your screen that says Restorative Justice to find all the archives from our two years of being a series and speaking with incredible people, including our guest from this archive from Thursday, April 4th, Diane Pendola, who is doing extraordinary work directly with women inmates serving long-term prison sentences. She helps them to find and reconnect with the purpose in their lives and light up the prison where they live from the inside out. Her programming is launching a series called the Compassionate Leaders Program, designed to prepare leaders from across the planet to carry the in-prison program into their country's jails, prisons, and juvenile facilities. So please check out her work and these programs at ecocontemplative.org or thelionesstale.com. Again, enjoy this archive with Diane Pendola from April 4th on Restorative Justice on the Rise. Hello, everybody. Welcome, welcome uh, to our call tonight. This is the Restorative Justice on the Rise series. My name is Matthew Albrocht. I work with the Peace Alliance. I'm our Executive Vice President and um, Programs and Communications Director, and I'm filling in for Molly Rowan Leach tonight, who's the normal host of this call. She's just feeling under the weather and at the last minute wasn't able to do it, and I'm thrilled to do it and get to get the chance to speak with our guest speaker tonight, who I'll introduce in just a moment. But just wanted to share a few logistics about the call uh, and the series. This is a, uh, a series that Molly uh, started a while back, and then the Peace Alliance became a partner in it uh, this last year. And it's just been a, a really wonderful opportunity to share and hear and learn about um, both the restorative justice movement, but also more generally restorative practices. Um, we, we do a lot of work at the Peace Alliance really trying to identify and engage the conversation around our culture and how we hope to shift towards more restorative solutions to the conflicts and challenges we face um, away from the more punitive and often militaristic attitudes and policies and concepts that are more predominant, predominant in our culture. So it's been a really great series to uh, explore and learn about sort of the new, well in some cases new, in some cases not so new, but uh, more forward thinking and less used forms of restorative justice in our culture. And so that's kind of the theme of the series. And you can learn more about um, the series and future speakers, future 
uh, guest speakers on the website dopeace.ning.com. And there's a, uh, uh, a restorative justice column there. You could sign up for a bunch of great uh, upcoming calls. There's also some information on Diane uh, Pindola there. Uh, Diane, is that how you say your last name, Pindola? Pindola, yes. Pindola, okay, good. Um, and we'll, we'll give out some web addresses and different things about her tonight, but, but if you want to learn more specifically, there's, there's lots of good information on the dopeace.ning.com website. So anyhow, we're really glad to have everyone on tonight. Um, unfortunately, our folks joining by webcast, I have not yet learned. I, I jumped on at the last minute for this, but I haven't learned how to see the questions, but I may figure it out before the call is over. So as we have time for questions in the call, um, at the moment the folks on the phone line are going to be our main um, folks who get to uh, ask questions, make comments. And you can do so by pressing 1 at the time of, um, of that part of the call. That will raise your hand for us and we will call on you. Um, if uh, right now everybody's muted, there may be a point where we unmute folks and just make sure if you have background noise to either mute your phone uh, on the, with your mute key or you can use uh, the 6 button on your keypad to temporarily mute you. But, but everybody's muted right now, so it's no big deal. Um, so anyway, let's, let's get started with our wonderful guest speaker. I'm going to just introduce Diane Pindola, read a little bit about her, and then we'll turn it over to the conversation. Uh, so Diane has been a contemplative presence in county jails and prisons since 1986 when she completed her master's degree in theology. Uh, she was deeply influenced by feminist and liberation theologies with their emphasis on giving voice to the voiceless and bringing the disenfranchised in from the margins uh, to the very center of authentic spiritual life. She also had the great good fortune of being the student of the preeminent intercultural philosopher Ramon Penicar. Uh, through Penicar, she became grounded in a deep respect for dialogue as an open and engaged listening to the perceived other as a path to spiritual growth and conversation, not of the other, but of oneself. And she'll say a lot more about that. Um, currently, Diane is the director and co-founder of Skyline Harvest. Skyline's projects include retreats and workshops at their Eco-Contemplative Center, love to hear about that, and outreach through the Lioness Tail Prison Project, which is called Lit Up from the Inside Out. Lit Up awakens the inner freedom of women serving long-term prison sentences, giving purpose to their lives and lighting up the prison uh, where they live from the inside out. This spring, Skyline is launching the Compassionate Leaders Program designed to prepare leaders from across the planet to carry the in-prison program into their county jails, prisons, and juvenile facilities. Diane knows all things are possible through the, through the love that resides at the center of our expanding universe and at the center of our human hearts. And just quickly, I'll give the web address, a couple of web addresses. Uh, if those of you want to write them down, and then we'll, we'll definitely repeat them later. But one is www.eco. Uh, well, e. Sure okay, to read let that. me spell Econ it. I think it was okay, misspelled. Actually, it's e c o okay. c o n t e m p l a t i v e dot org. Eco contemplative. So eco contemplative dot org. 
Perfect. Thank you. And the other is thelionstail.com, T-H-E-L-I-O-N, lioness. Lioness, yes. Lioness tail, yes. Well, it's great to have you join us, Diana. I'm so inspired just to learn the little I have already about your work and would love to just you know, have you share a little bit about what it is that you do. And in particular, you know, why did, why did you uh, move along this path? What brought you to this path yeah. and this work? Well, thanks. Thanks, Matt, for filling in for Molly. And I really mm. appreciate what you're making available, these resources that you're making available for people like me. It's such a, a huge support. And so I'm so grateful. Good. I'm so grateful to be here this evening. Um, Very good. How I got involved. Well, in the early 80s, I was involved in the anti-nuclear movement. And through that movement, I had an opportunity to get to see the inside of a jail cell. And um, that was very eye-opening for me. I spent a couple weeks um, in a very big city jail and had that experience of, of being, having my personal space violated and being handcuffed and just that sense mm. of, of out of control of your life. Um, so it was a very... Uh, limited time, not at all like the time that uh, of the women that I work with and what they know, but it gave me a taste. But I think the thing that really, really impacted me was the experience of the jail itself. Um, I had not thought much about jails, just as I think most people don't give a lot of thought to our jails and prisons. You know, it's out of sight, out of mind unless we have a loved one, a member, a friend, somehow involved in the prison system, it's not a large part of our lives, not a part of our lives at all. So when I was there, it was a wake-up call. I looked around and I said, my gosh, why are so many of these people people of color? And why are so many of these people poor, clearly? And mm. is it because white people and and uh, middle class and wealthy people don't commit crimes. No, I knew that wasn't the truth. So it felt like a really uh, a class system. Uh, Michelle Alexander, I really speaks to it as a caste system in her book, uh, The New Jim Crow. And that was the experience I had that this is really wrong. There's something is tr truly wrong here and truly diabolical here in the sense the many senses of that word, evil, we think of evil as diabolical, but it also means the splitting of being, or the splitting of the whole, huh? the fragmenting, the breaking up of, of, of the whole. And uh, in both those ways, I experienced uh, sight of that jail as diabolical, and made a decision at that point that now I, that I knew that this was happening in my country, in my world, <laughs> with my taxpayer dollars, that I needed to, to do something to, to change it. And that propelled me actually to go to seminary and get a degree in theology and pastoral ministry with my field work in um, the prisons. Yeah. That's incredible. 
What, what, uh, a quick aside question. What is the, when you said you went to seminary, what, is there any particular track? Um, I went, my background is actually Catholic. I went to a Franciscan seminary, but um, before that I was a religious studies major cross-cultural. And so I've always been very much open and interested in all mm -hmm. the amazing, incredible wealth of the spiritual traditions of humankind. And I think we need to draw on all of those right now, that not mm -hmm. any one of them can really address uh, the need on our planet in our, and in our world uh, to, to mend what needs mending, that we need to draw on all those traditions and, and and grow from them and grow beyond them in a certain way. Mm. Mm -hmm. Well, it sounds like your, your Lit Up program is really trying to respond to the issues you, you brought up in your sharing just a moment ago. Would you like to share more about what you're doing with Lit Up and, and how that's, uh, yeah, what kind of impact it's had? Yes, so Lit Up is basically based, uh, based on a book I wrote called The Lioness Tale. And I wrote The Lioness Tale. It's an allegory of a young lioness captured in her youth and forced to live out her life in captivity. And I wrote it after about 10 years of working um, in county jails, basically in a very listening kind of presence. I would go in and I would uh, create a circle so people could tell their stories, could be heard. And uh, I did a lot of listening, and out of that listening wrote this book that's really an allegorical telling of their stories that I heard, their stories mm. of abuse and abandonment. And, and mm. you know, we think of uh, people in prison and jail as, as maybe the perpetrators. Um, so many of these women were victims before they were ever perpetrators. So I wanted to tell their story, and so I wrote this little book, and I wrote it from the perspective of a bigger perspective um, that uh, of essence, huh, of what we're called into life by, which from I will admit my bias that that we're called into life to love. Um, we're called from love, and we're called into love. And so I told the story really from that perspective. And so as we, we share the story in group, we bring in this bigger perspective huh? so that people can find uh, purpose in their stories beyond their victimization and beyond the difficulties and the evils that they've experienced in their life. So I wrote the book, and then it kind of <laughs> sat and languished for a while until um, a wonderful writer and coach came to our place to uh, do a workshop, and he read the book and said, I think this should be published, and he wrote a foreword to it. His name is Hal Zena Bennett. Mm. And I'd taken a little time off from the prison work for a few years because we had a forest fire here where I live at our Eco Contemplative Center. And so that had awakened me to the huge losses that are happening across the planet. Not that I didn't know that was happening, but this was a very personal loss that reconnected mm -hmm. me to the land and wanting to restore the land. 
So it was a while before I was able to um, get this book published. And, and then with the publication of the book, I said, well, I want to go back into prison work. I want to know how this book uh, lands with the people who inspired it. And so I created a program based on the book that has several components, certainly story, and really taking this story in as a way to help people inside begin to connect with their own life story and have a way to tell their story that's safe. Because metaphor is a, a wonderful way, actually, for people to enter at a level that's comfortable for them and then begin that process of, of self-exploration and self-discovery through through the the door of the metaphor. So we use story. We use a lot of um, just centering, learning, mindfulness kind of practices. We use the Enneagram, which is a ancient system of um, psychology, psychological and spiritual transformation. And we use Gestalt Awareness Practice, which is also another way to befriend all parts of ourselves with a sense of, of kindness and gentleness towards all of our experience. So I went in, uh, wrote a proposal, had it accepted, found somebody within the prison, which is the Central California Women's Facility down in uh, Central California. Uh, I found the chaplain there who was very open to having the program come in and kind of open the door for that. And uh, so the first thing that I needed to do was I wanted really to work with the lifers inside, the long-termers and the lifers. And the reason for that is um, I really feel that they're a forgotten population. Um. So many, uh, many of them are... Uh, have life sentences without parole. It's called LWAP. And they're kind of uh, definitely a forgotten population. So I mm. wanted to go in and find those people and see if this book would speak to them and if it could give them some meaning in their life and help them see that oh, if change is going to happen inside the prison, it's going to happen through them from the inside out from the inside out of their own lives and their own transformation, and then taking that light and transforming the place right where they live. And since uh, they're there, that's where they're spending their life, let their life have meaning and purpose in a big way. Because if they can change those places, we all benefit. We all are changed because that reverberation reverberates through the entire web. Yes, indeed, indeed. I'm sure it's a, a lifeline for a lot of, of the people that you work with to have that deeper perspective amidst what, for I'm sure most folks, is pretty uh, disheartening. It's too light of a word, I, I imagine, of a circumstance of their life. Yes, and but I've it's been a, a real privilege for me to be able to go in and just, because I don't really do that much. <laughs> mm. I mean, we, we read the book together. 
um, they begin to tell their stories, we create uh, a circle of safety and trust, which, as you can imagine, is very difficult to come by in an enclosed system like a prison. Um, So beginning to create that kind of circle where people can be heard, where they can be seen, where they can tell things that they've really never told before, and where they can see that that in that telling they're actually not um, finished. They actually have a, a, an experience of being expanded by that telling, and and to begin to see that that there's so much more than the difficulties that have happened to them in in their lives, both what's been done to them and what they've done to others and they begin to connect with a much deeper source within themselves that gives them hope. And in in, in my experience of, of experiencing their hope, I feel more hope myself. As I, <laughs> as I witness their faith, I grow in my faith. As I witness their deepening freedom, I definitely feel an expanding freedom within myself. So I guess I want to say that because I think people say, well, I don't know. I don't really connect with people in prison. I don't know what they have to do with me. What they have to do with me is we are connected. And as as the freedom and the expansiveness happens for one person, we'll all benefit from that. So anyway. <laughs> That's moving. That's very moving. Well, what, what are some of the other key... Um, elements or, or descriptions of the process that you, you go through with these women? So anyway, yeah, so we go in, we find the leaders with when we begin the process in the program. We go in, we find those people. How do you identify the group that you're going to work with? Right. We, we find the long-termers, lifers who are interested. And in the beginning, I worked with the chaplain who invited Twenty-four people or so to come to uh, initial kind of come and see if if this is something you're interested in, and then out of that initial group, I selected twelve to take through uh, a forty-hour uh, experience of the lioness tale of the book, and in the process of that, uh, I introduced the enneagram and I introduced the basic mindfulness practice practice, and I introduced some um, basic gestalt awareness practice. We also used collage uh, as a way to begin to integrate the left and right sides of the brain through artwork and through tearing images out of magazines and beginning to integrate some of the experiences and memories that would come up for people that that mm. had been largely suppressed for a long time. Um, so that's about that introductory uh, piece is about 40 hours. We took several groups through that introductory piece until we had a core of people who would like to go on to become what we call Panthers, which is the character in the story that embodies mm. the, the transformational energy, uh, the friend in, in the book. And... Um, so then we did a more in-depth training with them so that they could begin to panther, lead, mentor their own groups within the prison. 
because the whole point of this is to empower these people who are in there for life to become the the carriers of the light, so to speak, and the transformative energy for the rest of the prison. So now they're beginning to teach their groups throughout the prison. Beautiful. And do the, 40, the initial 40 hours, is that over a period of, like how long of a period of time is that over? I like did it every, I, I, the prison's five-hour drive from where I live. So I went, I drove down twice a month, and we did two full days. So it would be four, two, uh, so every other month for two full days. Mm. Every other week for two full days. Got it. And so then the, 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 the thought is to have that, the, as the women go through the process and that you identify the leaders to just have it continue to amplify and grow throughout the prison? Absolutely. It's to change and what ha what's been the biggest impact you've seen or what are some of the impacts that you've seen from, from you know, both on individual people as well as the collective uh, prison experience? Well, let me, let me read you a couple of uh, um, writings from some of the Great. I think that will speak more powerfully than anything that I can say. Um, one of the things, one of the themes in the book is finding your voice. Uh, the lioness, because of the trauma of her capture, actually loses her voice. She loses her roar. And um, so one of the themes of the book is, is finding our voice again. So this woman is, is speaking to that. Uh, in this reflection, she says, Finding my voice was a difficult and painful process for me. I had to relive and try to remember times and places best left not remembered. I had betrayed the love of my family by what I had done, and I felt that I had killed that love for me. I was confused and sick at heart. I found myself locked away from the people I loved and cared for. I could not just walk to the door and go out and continue my life as I knew it. I remembered how the look of disappointment was on my father's face in the courtroom. It was also disbelief I had done something so horrible. For the last few years, all was darkness around me. I felt I had no voice to express what was going on. With lit up, I had taken back the light that is in me and my voice to express feelings and emotions long suppressed. Now I feel alive and worthy of love. I no longer feel invisible and silent. I can voice opinions of likes and dislikes. I am whole again. So that's one of the benefits mm -hmm. of the program, mm -hmm. is connecting with that wholeness that doesn't go away from us, that is still within us. And and I think we need to maybe, those of us on the outside, it might behoove us to look inside of our hearts and that our own tendency to be punitive, huh? Be punitive mm. even to parts of ourselves, the parts of ourselves yes. that that you know have <laughs> that are our shadow parts that we just assume not bring into the light 
um, and see how maybe our prison system is a projection of that. And as we begin to shine the light within ourselves and begin to make that journey ourselves towards our own wholeness and our own light within, I think we begin to connect with the fact that, oh, here at the center of who I am, I'm not here by myself all alone. I'm part of a community. I'm part of a we. And that means I want to reach out and help bring light to that uh, those other parts of who I am, those other parts of my community, those other parts of the body that are suffering. So I think uh, this person shows us, you know, what happens when we move towards that light and wholeness within ourselves. Mm. So, so it's, it's, it's sort of like our the collective culture um, and how how we turn away from our shadow sides uh, are really being um, our prisons are really showing up as a as a way that while we want to put that away and we don't want to look at it, nevertheless, we're I think there's an, a cultural understanding that they're they're really rough places. Right. And I just I I want to bring that because I think once again it's. It, I think prisons and jails are they're easy to forget. They're easy to say, oh, that isn't about me. It doesn't have anything to do with me. Uh, that mm-hmm. those people probably deserve to be in there. You know, there's so many mm-hmm. amazing things to get involved in for us to give our attention to um, that feel easier. <laughs> I mean, you know, we reaching out for children, of course we want to help children, or animals, or, or the whales, or the trees, and of course we want, that's all part of our community. But mm-hmm. this part of our community, I just would like us to look inside of ourselves and see what is it in us that wants to punish and wants yeah. to keep these people separate and and wants to, um, doesn't see that the, the the deep humanity of these people, that they feel just like we feel and suffer just like we suffer. Have, have you, in your own sort of process with, with all of this, you've shared a number of things already about, very eloquently around why we, we are so attached to this idea of punishment. Are there any other things that you've learned that you'd like to share on that topic? I mean, the, the well, sort of we, element of of healing and transformation that seem to be lost in our criminal justice system. Right. I part. mean, I really think that the way, I, I really believe that we are at a place of shifting consciousness where we see that this kind of degrading of, of human beings is not serving those people, and it's certainly not serving us. The, the larger community, the larger body. Mm. Don Beck, who wrote Spiral Dynamics in an interview with James O'Dee, talked about um, the, the planet, you know, as a planetary body and that there's acupuncture points on that body that need to be stimulated. There are places where the energy is locked up and where the energy is toxic and that we need to apply pressure to 
those places to release that energy for healing of the whole planetary body. And when I heard him say that, I really thought of our prison system. I really thought that's a place where we need to apply pressure to release the blockages and the toxicity that is locked up in these places because that toxicity is affecting all of us. And so I think we know that now. I think we're beginning to understand that everything's connected and that that punishment and degrading of other human beings is never going to be a way to heal or to help. And I think that the whole restorative justice movement seeing that that we need to restore, we need to do tikkun olom, huh? we need to repair the breach, uh, that we need to bring all the dimensions of our community together and into conversation and into dialogue and, and into healing. And then into transformative justice, which may be uh, lit up as a little bit more in that venue in the sense that true transformation happens within. It happens within the human heart. And, and when we really connect deeply within our human heart, we understand that we are all part of each other. And therefore, um, once we, we feel that, we begin to reach out in compassion to those who we know are suffering, and certainly the people in our prisons are suffering greatly. Mm. Indeed, indeed. Does, does the pro oh, I have another question then, but I just want to quickly pause and say that if any folks on the call would like to ask a question or share something, make a comment, you can push the one key on the phone and I'll call on you as uh, our little openings appear. We would love to hear from you if you're wanting to. Uh, and also just a reminder that the websites to learn more about this work and the, the book, The Lioness Tale, uh, are www.ecocontemplative.org as well as uh, www.thelionestale.com. I think I said lion again. I yeah, apologize, the lion. but thelionestale.com. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, good. So, so check that out. Um, oh, now I forgot my question. It was <laughs> coming up of what you just shared, which was so profound and and deep and good. Um, just the concept of. Well, I, I've lost that That's particular okay. question. <laughs> so I have an, another uh, amazing um, writing from one of the women, if you'd uh, like, like to hear that. Please. So uh, this person is reflecting on a part of the book where um, the lioness actually is, is able to get pregnant in prison, and, and of course this is a whole allegory, right? So in this case, uh, she was allowed to get pregnant so that they could use the cubs on the black market. So the cubs were destined to be taken away from her. But of course this happens for women in prison, right? If they're, they've had their children taken away. And um, if they haven't had their children taken away, this part of the book often speaks to being torn away from their parents as young children and forced into the foster care system where often they were further abused and exploited. Mm -hmm. um, so this, this uh, particular reflection is at that place where the cubs have been 
taken away from the lioness. This part of the book reveals the intent of this program to me. The silent one, feeling her cubs within, knowing the glory of new life, experiencing the overwhelming joy of motherhood, suddenly falls to the very bottom of despair, to the black hole left when her cubs are taken away. Then she breaks. Panther still comes. Remember, the panther is the symbol in the book of, of the transformational energy, kind of the inner transformational energy and guidance within ourselves. Um, the panther still comes, giving support that holds the lioness in love. Sometimes silent, sometimes sharing, she spins mind pictures of a place without cages, a place that can indeed exist while caged. She brings other lessons. She is patient. She waits with embracing kindness. In time, the lioness begins to listen. Looking back, I can see this was my own turning point, leading me to the miracle of this program. My path had been a life fulfilled, a life well lived, which ended in the depths of genuine darkness. Caged, prodded, watched, stripped of my very essence. Inside, I too gave up. I stopped greeting myself. Then, little by little, I also began to listen and see, to let go and find the road back from within. Somehow, I knew to let the light warm my journey. Retreat would have been easy. Surrender was harder, nearly impossible for someone like me, really. I kept remembering the panther's words. You can wake up and choose your own path even here. This has been my touchstone, my transformational mantra, my key to surrender. Even here, even me, even now, I can find my way home because, as the great poet Rumi wrote, what you seek is seeking you. Mm, very inspiring. Yeah, so you can see why awakening. I'm inspired <laughs> by this work. <laughs> I bet. I bet there's a lot of learning and I'd I'd love I, I want to call on one of our one of our listeners, but I'd love to, for you too before we end this call to just really share um what you like what are they what have you learned for you? What's been the biggest lesson for you from this? And maybe think about that. Uh and I'll call on um Let's see, Yakshi, I think is how you probably say it. Hi, Diane, it's Yakshi. Yes, hi, Yakshi. <laughs> and I just am delighted in all that you've been sharing, but one of the things that I really think that I want to know more about and that others would too is just some of the work that the panthers in the jail that you've been working with are doing because I understand they're working with their own groups now. I think people would be just very interested in in how that's unfolding, and, the, and kind of the noise on the yard about. <laughs> well, it's true. I mean, there it is starting to radiate out through the yard. In fact, a few of these women have actually gone up for parole, and so the parole board is also hearing about the effects of the program. Uh, staff on the yard are are commenting about the changes that they've seen in the participants in the program. And then the women themselves uh, out on the yard are coming into the program because they see 
a genuine change in in the people who've gone through the program and, and are who are what we call the Panthers, the mentors. So sitting in circle with the new group that they just brought together, I was just in circle with them uh, last month with 19 people. Huh? So core group of four, and then the rest are new folks, and how that core group just held the field in such a way that each one of those people was able to drop so quickly into a sense of true, a very authentic kind of sharing. And how so many of them said that I'm here because I've seen the change. You know, I've lived with these people. Some of these people have been there 20, 30 years. Um, so I see the change. Uh, one of the peop women who is coming into the group is roommates, you know, they have their eight people to a room that was built for four. So you can imagine you have to be, <laughs> you, you you couldn't fake it <laughs> in that environment. And she said, you know, I'm coming into this program because I see how much this person has changed and I want what she has. So, yeah, it's happening. The light is is radiating and it's radiating from the inside out, from this transformational process that happens deep within and then beginning to share it as a community and creating circles of safety and circles of trust where it can continue to grow and then radiate out even further into the whole prison complex. Mm, it's incredible. Incredible. What have you seen any impact on uh, recidivism on folks? Uh, is it with the, the, the women who've gone through your program? Of the yes, they, well, lower? most of them haven't gotten out yet because, as I said, I'm working with the lifers and the long-termers, so it's just mm -hmm. now beginning to move out into the population that will be getting out. So mm. we can't, can't really say Don't that yet. yet. One of the things that I hope is that women who've done this program have done the training inside and put in so much energy and effort and are so amazing in their... Uh, in their capacity to facilitate groups at this point, if and when they do get out, we'll be able to continue to work alongside me on the outside. And and I do want to talk about the the program that I'm wanting. Uh, we're launching this spring. Actually, our first weekend workshop is May 31st through June 2nd, called the Light Within, and we're going to be doing a certification training to teach people to do what I've done, basically how to go in, how to find those leaders within the prison, how to find the person who will open the door, kind of the gatekeeper um, mm -hmm. at, in the institution and begin to gather these circles um, so people can be heard and tell their stories and then those people who want to continue uh, to teach them how how to become panthers, so we'll be doing that process basically on the outside. Um, so in communities or in other facilities. So what I'm hoping is that we'll be doing residential programs here at our Eco Contemplative Center. And I'm sorry, I, I may, you may have said this, but where, what, what sit, state, what city? So. Where where I live, our Eco Contemplative yes. Center, it's in the Sierra Nevada Mountains, up above Nevada City in Northern California. Oh, oh great, thank yeah, you. Yeah, so we'll be doing residential programs, basically, but for people to take this program to their prison, so in Idaho or in Colorado or in Oregon or in New York, 
Um, I'm hoping that people who are on this call who are interested will definitely go to our website, and we're not ready to take enrollment yet on the website, but please call me and let me give you my phone number. It's 530-288-0308, and that's my cell number. So either call or email me if you have any questions because we want to create a movement um, across mm. the country and light Beautiful. these places up from the inside out and light ourselves <laughs> up from the inside out. <laughs> Beautiful. And do you want to share your email as well? Yes, it's skyline, S-K-Y-L-I-N-E, at got sky. That's got, G as in God, O-T-S-K-Y. Dot com. Skyline. That's great. It's a, a beautiful movement, a very beautiful movement that could occur. Yes, and you know, and I'm aware that we need to collaborate. This is something that no person can do alone. We all need to really do together, and no, you know, soul program can change the prison mm. system, and yet each program, we need to bring this level of soul, I think in order for that change mm. to happen. And so There's some other beautiful practices that are, I know, done in prisons, and it would be great to see some of the different, the different programs sort of come together more and work. I know a lot of the nonviolent communication, I don't know if you're aware of that yes, whole we have that. track and field, mm -hmm. they do that. And I would imagine that would be a useful kind of addition to what you're doing, just in terms of helping people understand their needs and mm -hmm. articulate them better. Um, another thing that I'd like to share uh, for you, Diane, with what your request is, but this is applicable to anybody who's listening as well, who's doing work in the world, is we, the Peace Alliance has a program, it's called the Faces of Peace, and we are, our attempt with it is to really put a spotlight on who are the folks out there who are doing peace work. Most people, when they hear the term peace, they think of, um, you know, anti-war, maybe anti-nuke, maybe hippies. Those are the things that tend to pop in a folk's head out in the community. Um, and yet there are millions of people who do care about the cause of peace. So we're trying to really um, put a spotlight on the folks out there who are doing the work of peace. And so we'd Wonderful. love to have you share your story there. And it also could be a great way for folks who visit our website. Um, that's one of our more popular sections of the website to get to learn about it. And there might be some, some people that way who learn about it and decide they want to get involved or are doing something similar and want to connect with you. So I definitely would invite you to contribute to that and I can, I can send you details later Great. on that. Well, but I would love anyone to. can Thank go. Thank you so much. Yeah. Good, yeah. It's uh, www.facesofpeace.org. For those Great. of you who want to check it out, so definitely do that. That'd be great. Um, back, I, I like, I, I, I love this. I sort of we've gone really to the meta and the heart of it, and I, I hate to pull out of that, but I also have a couple more specific questions I'd love to to ask. And again, if anybody has any other questions, feel free to push the one on your phone. Uh, I'm just wondering, as the as the women go through the process, what are some of the common issues or challenges that they struggle with to get to the place of being able to accept and, and embrace as much as possible what you're sharing with them? I think, you know, the, the story of Linus really is a universal story. I think that's why um, people, if, if 
they read the book would connect with it because we are all in our own prison at some level, um, (laughs) self-made. And Mm. so the people who who are in the program, there's there's quite a spectrum um, of education, of race, of of, uh, ethnicity, of religious perspective, and some have had really, really, really tough lives, and some other people have come out of fairly privileged backgrounds. Um, so it's the human story in in miniature, I guess, sitting in that circle. So it's the same. I think it's the same challenge any of us have, which is is a willingness to move toward the pain at the center of our hearts rather than away, you know, so much. And I think people in prison maybe are in a, a particularly, kind of strange to say, fortunate situation in the sense that they don't have the distractions that we have out here. Um, we can get busy with our lives. We can play. We can use alcohol. Mm-hmm. We can use drugs. Mm-hmm. We can use work. There's so many ways to to, to move away from the things at the center of our lives that give us pain. And yet the pain, in a a way, is a doorway back to what existed before the pain, what existed before um, the damage from the outside, the abuse, the abandonment, the death of a parent, uh, the betrayal, whatever it is. And they all have this in their lives. And... Um, so that's the challenge. The challenge is you get close to that, and then you, and then you want to back away, and and you get reactive, and you get angry, or you get fearful, or you want to, you you, you want to take it out on the person next to you. You know, mm-hmm. um, it's it's the human challenge, I think, to 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 have that courage to move toward what is scary for us and what is threatening for us. And to find a community of people, which is what we're creating in there, that can give the support for that to happen. Mm. Um, I have a great, if I can find it here, I'd like to share this one reflection about how the group provided that kind of safety Of course, I'm not finding it. But she talks about how she felt accompanied by love and how the group itself became her panther and how the Mm. group itself was able to hold the field and hold the space for her to be able to, to touch places that... And actually, remember, she had some amnesia about at the time of her arrest. It was so traumatic. Um, mm. And uh, that this program helped bring back memories. And the reason that she was able to, be, to, to do that was because of the holding field that was created by the group. Mm. Powerful. So I don't know, did that answer your question? 
<laughs> you did. Thank you. I'm I'm just fascinated by the process and and you know I I know that for so many folks who've had usually before you get to the point where you're in prison, especially for that long term, life has been rough and vulnerability is hard to hard. to move into. And I'm just curious how that manifests in the process. That really articulated that a lot for me. Thank you. Well, you know, as we as we begin to wrap up, I'd just love to hear just from you and, and going through this process. You've shared quite a bit about this question, but is there anything else that you'd really like to share about what, you know, going through this process has taught you for your own path in life? It's taught me to trust the the depths of and the goodness of our humanity. And I think when I first went in, I'd written this book, and I thought, well, this is kind of an experiment. I'll go in and and discover myself if what I believe belief is different than experience <laughs> if if what I believe about the human capacity for goodness and for transformation is true or not and so I went in with a certain openness to be say, well, I guess I was naive. I guess I was gullible. I guess, you know, the promise that we can be transformed and can connect with forgiveness and forgive ourselves and forgive others and move toward a fuller, more expanded life was just a pipe dream. But that wasn't what I experienced. I experienced that, in fact, these women that we have uh, shoved away in cages and make suffer every day of their lives um, have the capacity for such love and such joy that it makes me sometimes uh, feel... What's word? I have so much to grow. <laughs> mm. I still have so far to go and so mm. much to learn and so far to expand because they've become my teachers in such a, a, a phenomenal way. Wow. That's I bet. Well, before we wrap, is there one more story you'd like to share? Do you have any more stories? Sure, I'd love to share this last. Um, this was written by one of the women for the very ending of the book. And the ending of the book, the lioness finds her voice, and she finds that she is so much bigger than the cage that holds her. And um, so this is what she has to say. It had been such a long time that I wandered lost in the wilderness, a wilderness chock full of uncertainty, mistrust, insecurity, shame, anger, rage, loneliness, despair, confusion, but most of all, a terrible, deep-seated sadness. Sadness so profound, I wasn't sure if I would ever find my way out of it. I mean, I knew that I wanted to, but I didn't know how. And, truth be told, in the beginning, I didn't even realize that I did want to find a way out. 
that I could ever go back to the trailhead that led me into that dark wilderness. As I read these last chapters, I began to understand the true meaning of the phrase, but before evil was, I am. The understanding was but a hint of the clarity that I am finally starting to have. So many years my spirit was broken. And that was because I lost my innocence, my essence. I was unable to hang on to the purity with which I was born, with which we are all born. As life happened and knowledge began to form within my small mind, I quickly got to the business of forgetting. We create our own storage space for placing things, memories that we've long forgotten, especially the ones that hurt the most. Memories that steal our breath away because we are choked with their pain. Those are the ones that we bury the deepest. Those are the ones that we hide mostly from ourselves. It is a tough road, the journey one of strength and courage. To take it, one must find a way to withstand the hurt. One must find a way to go through the pain and make peace with it. You may ask, but how do you make peace with something that has plugged you all your life? How do you look at it, embrace it, feel it, and still be able to live? The answer is not an easy one. Just know that if you find a way to befriend and respect the things that you have hidden from yourself, you can finally release them. It is ceremonial. The reward is a freedom that you never even knew existed, a freedom that allows you to feel again, to love again. There may always be fear, but if you put it in its right place, Fear can be healthy. Fear reminds you that risks in life are worth taking. If you risk opening your heart, I can only hope that you find your true voice, that you finally understand the quote, but before evil was, I am. What does it mean, you may ask yourself. The I am is who you were before the pain, before the hurt, before the violations, before the abuse, before the abandonment, before the confusion. The I am is who you were before the evil. So now, little one, go forth and continue on the journey that you have begun here. Never again lose sight of your true self, your truest self. You are beautiful. You are worthwhile. You, my friend, are a star so bright that your brilliance is blinding. Closing the last pages of this remarkable story, my closing words to you are for you to never, ever again forget. For it is in forgetting that we lose ourselves and open ourselves up to the deceptions of life. Allow yourselves to be bigger than that which has made you feel small. Tell yourself the truth and you shall be free. That's beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful. They're the really woman getting something deep. has been locked up since she was 14 years old. Wow. How can that be? Ugh. So how can that well, be? Well, you're giving a gift. Beautiful woman, yeah. Oh, no. And, you know, it says, I just feel grateful you're, you're giving such a gift to so many who, you know, really need it. I'm in awe of 
this task you've taken on, really, and, and just grateful to have gotten a glimpse of it through your sharing. So, well, thank really you so much you. for this opportunity to share it with with all of you mm. folks out there who are listening. And please, if you have any interest in knowing more, please call me, email me, check out our website. Help help us make this a movement across the country. Absolutely, absolutely. And they can find out more again on www.ecocontemplative.org or www.thebook at the lionestail.com will actually give them more about um, the Lit Up program inside and Lit Up worldwide and the, the description of the certification program that's starting in the end of May. Perfect, perfect. It sounds like a great program. I hope folks will check it out for sure. Great, so thank you again, Diane. We really appreciate the time. Love the work you're doing. So grateful. We're, in, we're with you in spirit and in solidarity for sure. So thank you again and look forward to hearing and learning more as time moves forward. Thank you so much, Matt. Appreciate your work too. We're all in this together. <laughs> yes, definitely. Thank right. goodness we're in it together. Yeah, thank goodness. Take care all. Have a good night or all good right. wherever you are. Thank you, everybody. Good night.